Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of Pseudo-Archaeology. Hello and welcome to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 134, and tonight we are discussing Piltdown Man, the OG number one first and foremost archaeological fraud of them all. All right, so, hey man, it's a new year, and I thought I would just go with the old school of old school classics. You know, it's funny. I've been looking at the list of stuff that I've done and the list of stuff that I haven't done. <laughs> and I realized that I haven't done some of the total classics. Again, I still haven't done Atlantis. Like, what's wrong with me, man? And speaking of kind of old classics, Piltdown Man. Man, everyone's got to know Piltdown Man. I, I think... One of the reasons I might have kind of forgot to do this one is that I talk about this one every semester in my anthropology classes and specifically in biological anthropology, right? This one comes up and I use this as an example in that class because in bioanthro is where we go over the human fossil records specifically. Right. And there's man, there's all kinds of good stories in there. You know, just thinking about it, I might bring more of those in here. Those things are good. But there is in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that good, real research, if you're talking about like fossils, they that you guys have probably heard of, like Lucy and so on. She's by far the most famous, but the ancient human remains of things like Homo habilis, Homo erectus, right? Australopithecines, all that kind of good stuff, all that real stuff. There's this one big old fake. And that fake is, is Piltdown. Now, this, you know what's funny? This story is like 2% different than most of the other stories I, I'll tell on here. And it's because it's because of the background of this, the background of Piltdown. Piltdown is a full-on fraud, right? What we're going to find is that the guy who perpetrated the Piltdown man hoax was actively trying to defraud the public, right? He was actively lying in order to get something for himself. Most of the stuff we talk about on this channel isn't, it's not that bold, if that makes sense. You know, most of the stuff we talk about here are just, kind of unscientific, fraudulent beliefs that really aren't supported by anything, but a group of people start to believe in them because they kind of want to belong to a certain group and they sort of want to 
virtue signal to this certain group, right? The Graham Hancock uh, situation comes to mind with that, right? It's it's two percent different than an overt fraud. And I'm not saying Graham Hancock isn't a fraud because he is a total and 100 percent fraud. But he's not trying to sell a fake artifact, (laughs) which is what you have here. Right. And what one of the many things that makes Piltdown Man so famous is that the fraud that was perpetrated on the general public lasted over 40 years. So Piltdown Man comes to light in 1912. See, it's old. You know, this is this is over 100 years ago kind of thing. But. The fact that the fraud lasted so long, like people took this fossil seriously this fake fossil for over 40 years and we'll see in the end of this you know of course the reason why they took it seriously is the same reason we take so many false things seriously because they tell us what we want to hear you know and piltdown man is a great example of telling the general public and scientists at the time too plenty of scientists fell for this Telling what they want to hear, you know, oh, isn't it great when you find exactly what you're looking for? And I can tell you this. Based on my life in archaeology, you never find exactly what you're looking for. (laughs) And actually. It's sort of extra cool that you don't because you usually find kind of something related to sort of what you were looking for, but you find so much more or you find something completely different and it's even more fascinating than you think. So real archaeology is is great. I love what I do, you know, and the finds I've made over my career, they've just been fascinating left turns that I didn't think I was going to make. I've never gone out to find something and been like, oh, right, there it is. I mean, If you see stuff like that, it's the first inkling of like, hey, maybe this isn't totally on the level because it's satisfied every want that I have. (laughs) So, all right. How does this thing go down? In 1912, this guy named Charles Dawson sort of brings this group of fossil bits and stone tool bits forward to the scientific community, right? And it's a bunch of stuff he's found in Sussex, in England, right? In a in a gravel pit. And just there, right? Knowing what we know now, you're like, uh, ancient human in England? Yes, exactly. An ancient human in England. So right away in all this, aren't we like, uh, okay. Now, specifically, what did he find, right? The big showy fossil was a skull, basically. And it was a human looking skull with a really large ape like jaw, right? Now, there's other stone tools and that kind of stuff that are found with it, but that's the star of the show. And the skull and the the jaw look old because they're kind of browned and they sort of have like the gravel from the area. This is found in a gravel pit. 
sticking to it, right? It, it's It's got the look. It's got the fossilized look. And so when Charles Dawson kind of shows this to the scientific community, they initially go with it pretty much. Now, it is important to say that even though what we will find is a fraud, even though it lasted over 40 years, that even in the early days, there were people who were highly skeptical of this. So don't think that like every single scientist was just like, oh, yeah, Piltdown Man. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. There were some seriously skeptical people, especially outside of England, you know, who who uh, were never a hundred percent on board. They always kind of were looking sort of sideways at, at this thing. But there was enough acceptance of this where, I mean, this was put in the anthropology books of the time. You can still look up and find pages where the Piltdown Man is reconstructed with his tools and everything, you know, running along in ancient England, right? <laughs> so it really put a damper on other finds, other real finds. That are going to come later because they had to deal with this weird Piltdown Man thing. So anyway, Charles Dawson sh shows all this stuff off and it's accepted. And he is helped by this other guy, Arthur Smith Woodward. And Woodward is like the department head of geology at the British Museum. So he's almost like the dean. You know, he's, he's sort of like the person above him or the, de the department chair. And to get him on board was a big coup for Dawson, right? It's like, all right, got this guy who can help me make this thing real. And along with the stone tools and other bone fragments, too, that were found in this area. Hey, it's a slam dunk. So based on these finds, what do you think that team of Dawson and Woodward is going to do next. They're going to go back and dig for some more. And what do they find in the next few years? Well, stay tuned and I'll tell you. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.
Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 134. And we have been talking about the famous Piltdown Man fraud. And when we last left off, Charles Dawson, who is the perpetrator, has kind of gotten this other guy, Arthur Smith Woodward, who is kind of the head of geology from the British Museum, on his side. And the duo are now going to start to dig for some more fossils, right? We must realize that nobody realizes this is a fraud, right? The, everyone thinks this is real, although, of course, there are some people who don't quite believe it, but nobody's thinking it's a fraud. They're just thinking that, oh, something doesn't quite add up. Hmm, that Piltdown Man thing's a little bit weird. So they go and and continue their excavations. Now, originally, this comes to light in 1912, but they go back for a, a couple of years. They go back in 1915. And by this time, the find has its own Latin name, right? It's not Piltdown Man. Uh, that's just for the plebs, man. The real name is Eanthropus Dawsoni. <laughs> right? It's a real one. Oh, man. So they look for more examples of Eanthropus Dawsoni. And I know you're going to be shocked at what I'm about to tell you. But they find some more. As if by magic. Now, an interesting bit here is it's always Dawson that finds the fossil. So when the pair goes out, and I'm sure other people help from time to time, nobody else finds anything. It's always Dawson who finds the stuff, right? And they find like a second skull referred to as Piltdown 2. They find some more teeth that seem to be similar to the teeth that were in the jaw of the first one. And they find even more artifacts like stone tools and this kind of thing. They even find like a, a big elephant bone fossil that's been kind of whittled out into some sort of basic tool. Now they have this like big group of fossils and associated artifacts, right? And because they went back, even some of the people who were really not too sure about the whole Piltdown thing, some of them went over to the Piltdown side after that. They were like, well, we were kind of not into it at first, but they found more. And actually, a lot of this later stuff was found at a different site two miles away from the first site. Right. So you're like, oh. If stuff's coming up at two different sites, well, okay, maybe it's real after all. Now, the next year in 1916, Charles Dawson dies. And he dies, man, you guys, I had to look this up. Because I was like, I bet he died from one of those like 1920s diseases that nobody gets anymore. You know, that, that usually start with the... You know, like the gout, you know, the pleurisy. And he did. He died of pernicious anemia, which I think we should call the pernicious anemia. Well, he was all right until his bout with the pernicious anemia. Just as a public service announcement, I'm here to tell you, take your vitamin B12, my friends. 
Now, I even looked up pernicious anemia and it really is one of those things that like nobody dies. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like if you go to your doctor like, oh, you're kind of low on this. But in a perfect storm situation, it, it as we see with Charles Dawson, it can kill you. So he dies in 1916. And of course, the excavations for Piltdown and all that stop. They shockingly don't find any more artifacts from Piltdown. No, it just ends. After after 1915. But, you know, if if people were looking at this with more of a critical eye, there were a couple things that were really starting to angle towards like, hey, this is a fake. Not only is it a little too perfect in terms of what's being found. Oh, it just matches just right. Some of the stone tools that we'll talk about in in a minute really seem to well as we'll see they're they're almost a cry for help i think it's tough to say now in in the intervening years it wasn't figured out until 1953 right so it comes online in 1912 and you got to realize world war one happens right after then then you have the roaring 20s you have the depression era of the 30s you have world war ii that whole time the scientific community has taken piltdown man as reality right you get into the 1950s and finally they figure it out for sure in 1953 how do they do it they use a dating method they use a dating method called fluorine dating which is really basic it's not used you know so much these days it's not because it's terrible it's just because we have better dating methods fluorine dating simply you can analyze bones and the bones will absorb fluorine from the soil and so the longer the bone has been in the soil the more fluorine it absorbs and so they tested these bones for fluorine and they realized it had like barely any fluorine in it at all, meaning for sure these bones were recent, right? So yes, indeed, the Piltdown Man was a fraud. What the main skull was is it was a human skull, likely less than 100 years old, and an orangutan jaw that might have been several hundred years old. But they were just sort of crudely shoved together and filed down so they fit. Right. It really was is simply a human skull and a orangutan jaw. And of course, if you break it a few times so the pieces don't quite fit together, then anybody else trying to check it out, they can't quite tell for sure yet. And especially if you double down on your lie and angle them away from the truth, they, they might not try enough to make it look like a modern human, which it is. So. That's what it is. And then why did it look older? Because he died them. Da Dawson died the actual fossils. And then he used, I believe it's Dennis putty. It's, it's you know, super sticky putty stuff in order to kind of shove certain bits together and get the gravel from the actual gravel pit and shove some of that in there too, right? So it looks like it's been there for a long time. It looks like the gravel itself is kind of concreted onto the bone. So this is a full-on forgery. And what came out, as the years went on, even past that, is that Dawson just like forged all kinds of stuff. He had he had something like 38 forgeries. He plagiarized a bunch of stuff. He just his whole career was a total sham and a lie. And speaking of career, he didn't really have a career. And that's what gets down to 
why did Dawson do this? Right. Why would you do this in the first place? Why would you go through all the trouble? And it's because he wasn't really a scientist. He was like an amateur and he wanted the scientific community to take him seriously. So he just started making this fake stuff. And then he realized it worked really well for him. So he just kept making fake stuff. And so Piltdown Man wasn't his first fake. It was his like crowning fake achievement. You know, he'd had years of practice, years of dying stuff, right? Years of breaking stuff, sticking it together. Oh, this Dennis Putty stuff works pretty good, right? He had this whole like mini lab of fakery. <laughs> and he's going to have access from like the the museum, you know, the back, the storage area of the museum. He can find old skulls and stuff and just kind of find some old stone tools laying around, kind of sprinkle them around. That's how you do it. You make a fake. Now, I had hinted earlier about the cry for help. This is a guess by me, you guys. This is a total guess. But it has to do with that elephant bone fossil that was kind of shaped into like this crude, big sort of bat looking tool. If you look at an image of it, it looks hilariously similar to a cricket bat. Right. That's the, of course, the British sport of cricket. If it was in the United States, it would look super crazy similar to a baseball bat. Right. So it's this elephant bone that has been crudely shaped to look a lot like a cricket bat. Now, and that was found with sort of the second coming of the fossils. Right. It was found in like 1915. To me, I, I'm curious if. Charles Dawson was feeling the heat too much and tried to make something so outlandish in order to take a dive. And what I mean by that is it reminds me of. I was on a comedy team for a couple of years when I, when I was young, like in college, right, right at the end of college. And it was an improv comedy team. And sometimes. We, we would have these these show we would have these shows we'd have these little scenes right these little skits and stuff where it was audience participation and let's say it was some scene where you had to rhyme words right they give you the word fat and you rhyme it with cat and mat and bat and this kind of stuff if you run out of stuff to rhyme we would sometimes do what's called take a dive which would be do something outlandish just to get out Right now, in reality, I might have been able to kind of rhyme one more word. It's like, oh, bat, mat and fat have all been taken. And I'm trying to think of another word and I go, grat. But that makes the scene suck. If I'm trying to rhyme with the word fat and they come to me and I just go obese. That has its own joke and its own moment. Right. And then I take a dive because I'm not being dishonest to the audience, but I'm just doing it to get out cleanly, if that makes sense. The reason why I tell that story is because I think Charles Dawson is doing the same thing in forgery world. What he's doing is he's like, I'm going to make this elephant fossil into a cricket bat 
and make it look so hilarious that the people who are looking into this will think that I've just found something totally fake and will tell me that it must be fake, but I'm not blamed for it. You get what I mean? It's a way to take a dive without the sort of extra step of like, oh, and this was actually faked by Charles Dawson. No, Charles could flip it around and just be like, geez, I'm sorry. I've been, I was looking in this area and I found all this stuff and I thought it was real, but I guess not. Yeah, it's, it's a way to get out clean. And some other people have thought that maybe there was a second conspirator and, you know, that goes with this. But it's it's a tough call. I could be wrong on this. I'm, I'm reaching out on the ledge a little bit. So that little story take with a serious grain of salt. But I just find it. I find it super odd because if I'm Charles Dawson and I'm trying to fake you out. I'm not going to take an elephant fossil and make it into a cricket bat. You know what I mean? That's a serious red flag. When we come back, why this worked for so long. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, all right. Welcome on back to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 134. And we are wrapping up our discussion on Piltdown Man. Oh, man, one of my old school favorites. And we'd gone over, you know, the the perpetrator, Charles Dawson. We had gone over why he would have done it. It was it was because he wanted fame. You know, he was he was an amateur, but he wanted to be taken seriously. And he actually was able to get into the Royal Society, I think, based on this. Right. He would have never been able to do it before. He'd kind of. He basically not been too successful in his life, except with his fraudstering. So this final swing at making a fake ancient human fossil got him in. But the whole thing, you know, didn't last long for him because he had his premature death in 1916. You know, I also wonder if one of the reasons this wasn't so like kind of famous or the interest of the moment is when you look at these dates this is all happening during World War One. 
Right. And that's sort of this serious dark time. And maybe the papers are picking this up, too, because it's just something else to talk about besides, hey, all your young men are dying. You know, I I wonder about that. I wonder if it's a bit right time, right place that maybe if it wasn't a war, it wouldn't have gotten as much as much play. But anyway, we do know these days that it was Charles Dawson for sure. It all makes sense. Everything kind of comes together. They had have done more recent DNA testing on some of the the original Piltdown Man fossils. And they realized for sure that some of the bones found in the in the unit like two miles away are the same as the ones found in the original unit. Like, so that's like, dude, case closed. Obviously, Dawson was doing what's called salting the site, right? Where he was going, basically going out there at night, you know, dropping in bones that he already had that he himself would then find the next day, right? So that is the only way where you get a orangutan. Not only are orangutans, you know, not from there, <laughs> it's the only way you get an orangutan jaw, two pieces of it to be two miles away. Right. And and both found in these little tiny holes. Right. You get it. it it's 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 obvious fraud that points straight to Charles Dawson. So there were other. I, I know having having taught this for years, there, there are other little kind of what if mysteries associated with this. You'll hear that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle will angle into this from time to time. He's the guy, of course, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, famous person. Interestingly, Conan Doyle was in that area at that time, right? And I believe knew Charles Dawson. I think they would have run in the same groups of people, the sort of high society in that area. I do know that Conan Doyle, again, cruised around in the area where Piltdown Man was found. I think he golfed nearby. Like he basically, he just, he hung out in that area. So it's not completely crazy, but there's just no real evidence that he did had any part in it. The only evidence in a way would be motive because Conan Doyle didn't like the scientific establishment because he was really into like ghosts and apparitions and that kind of stuff. That really funky, like early 20th century funky apparition stuff. You know what I mean? He was way down the rabbit hole in that. And I think that there had been some scientific studies that basically showed what a fool he was. And he didn't like that, of course. So he would have had motive to make the scientific community look bad by perpetrating the Piltdown Man scandal. But it doesn't seem like he was really a part of anything. And it's just fun because he's a big name. But no, man, it was Dawson. It was Charles Dawson. Now. Why did this work for so long? It's because up until that time, of course, as we know from the evolutionary history of humans, there's no ancient human fossils in England. It's in the wrong geographic location. As we know these days, we are all ultimately, of course, from Africa, right? Africa is the cradle of human evolution. Absolutely. And 100 percent. Right. So. The idea of finding human remains and and they were again, this is 1912. They were guessing it was half a million years old. They had no idea, but it just doesn't make any sense. But they wanted it because, hey, England is the civilized place. 
You know what I mean? There's a lot of not so covert racism with that, of course. Right. Where it's like, oh, no, we the white English people, we're we're the ones who are who are the oldest, who have the deepest history, of course. You know, so it works right into that sort of racist mentality of like, oh, we have to be the oldest. We have to have the oldest thing, you know, so it wasn't questioned as much, especially in England. So there's that, of course. Secondarily, it provides the cliche missing link, the quote unquote missing link, right? I have gotten this question my entire career. Hey, Kinkella, can you show us the missing link? And the answer to that, the short answer is there's no such thing. And the longer answer is there are many missing links and I can show you a ton of them, whether it's the Lucy fossil or Homo habilis or Homo erectus or Neanderthals, right? We can pick our poison. The point being that we can trace human prehistory from millions of years ago through these fossil changes of the fossils we found in the fossil record, right? We have a really good record. Sure, there's there's one or two areas where we still have kind of questions, but we have good answers for those questions. We're just not 100% on some of them, but we're pretty damn close, if that makes sense, right? There's questions in kind of the, oh, the sort of later Australopithecine world and how that goes towards early homo, but those are serious scientific questions. In terms of answering the basic questions, like where did human beings come from? We just go Africa. Next question. You know, basic, a basic understanding of human evolution is totally there, but in 1912, it wasn't. So they were still thinking of it as, Oh, a missing link, an intermediary between an ape looking guy and a human looking guy would be somebody with a big brain, but with a basic jaw. Right. And so Charles Dawson played to those cliches. He played to that sort of racist vibe. Right. And he was successful because of it. Now we know today that that idea of, of a big brain coming early is exactly wrong. So for early human evolution, it was our legs. It's bipedalism. It's the ability to walk and run, you know, and and have good movement on two legs. That's the first step for human beings that separates them from the other apes that makes them something different. It's not the big brain. Big brain comes later. Right. So we've we've learned a lot, you know, in the intervening hundred and ten years. We really have just kind of putting this together and going over my notes again. You know, I've told this story for a long time with my class and and just kind of looking over it with a more just with a focused eye to get this thing ready. I'm like, man, you know, we and by we, I mean, like anthropologists, researchers over the last hundred years, we've really done good work. We've really added to our knowledge of of ancient humanity. We've really done great. Good for us, you know. And you know what's so funny? The whole Charles Dawson fiasco, the whole Piltdown Man silliness, it does remind me of a lot of current stuff like the Graham Hancock world. It does. Just this like fraudster, you know, who just puts out just dumb, long disproven 
ideas and what it does just like with Piltdown Man it just hobbles our ability to tell facts to the general public but hey I think we in the archaeology world at the end of the day doing pretty good and with that I'll see you guys next time thanks for listening to the pseudo archaeology podcast Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.